Max Verstappen leads by eight points, but Lewis Hamilton has all the momentum. With two rounds to go, who will claim the 2021 World Championship? Hello and welcome to another F1 Strategy Report recap. My name is Michael Laminato, and this is a preview of the championship finale, the 2021 Saudi Arabian and Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. For Apex Race Manager, the mobile race simulator. Download it now for iOS and Android. For this week's preview, we've got something a little bit different. Given Saudi Arabia is brand new and even Abu Dhabi has a changed layout that will significantly alter the challenge of the track, consider this a preview of the tight championship fight between Mercedes and Red Bull Racing, Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. In a second, we'll hear from Nate Saunders from ESPN about his expectations for the end of the season and how the two warring teams will approach the high-pressure final two races. But first, let's consider the tracks that will decide the championship. This weekend is the first Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, and not only is it new to F1, but it's brand new full stop. The circuit's only just been finished, which means there's very little, even preliminary data to base a strategy forecast on. From the layout at least, we can say it should be only a moderately demanding track. There are very few big braking zones or slow or medium speed corners. Really, it's just a high speed blast through the streets, like a dramatically extended desert version of the last sector in Azerbaijan. The difficulty in overtaking along this narrow, high-speed ribbon of road will mean teams will push for a single stop by default. Pirelli is bringing its middle set of tyres to this track in what could be seen as a conservative choice for a street circuit, but lateral loads could be a curveball on tyre life expectancy and therefore tyre strategy. Safety car interventions also wouldn't really be a surprise. A mistake almost anywhere on this track has a fairly high chance of devolving into a substantial crash given the speed and the closeness of the walls, which could turn the final order into almost a bit of a lottery based on where you are on track and in your race plan when the intervention is called. After Saudi Arabia, F1 moves on to Abu Dhabi for the season finale. Max Verstappen was the first non-Mercedes driver to win at Yasmarina since 2014 last year in what could be a good sign for Red Bull Racing, but really it was a bit of an off weekend for the German mark. And anyway, this year the track layout is changing. To start with, two crucial chicanes have been removed. The fiddly chicane preceding the first hairpin has been expunged completely so that the run there from turn one is now completely flat. The braking event onto the back straight will be much bigger now, which could create some side-by-side action. And the chicane at the end of the second back straight is also gone, replaced by a long banked left-hand bend that delivers cars into the hotel section in the final sector. And finally, the street-like 90-degree corners of the final split are now more open and flowing, raising the minimum speed. The overall effect is to make this track much faster, as much as 15 seconds a lap faster, and fewer and more open chicanes means it's less of a traction-limited circuit. This is traditionally a one-stop race on Pirelli's softest tyres, given how difficult overtaking is, and especially given tyre preservation is undertaken in all the no-passing zones of the track. It'll therefore be interesting to see how the increase in lateral load will affect tyre strategy, particularly given now there should be more opportunities to pass. So in summary, for these final two races, Saudi Arabia is all about straight line speed, which should suit Mercedes just fine, at least on paper. But Abu Dhabi is a bit more difficult to call. It'll certainly be faster, and the rear tyres won't be as prone to overheating, which are plus points in the Mercedes column. But there are question marks about how the tyres will deal with these changes, which means the finale is too close to call for now. It's exactly the kind of conclusion we want. And to find out how he thinks this championship is going to be decided, let's hear now from ESPN's Nate Saunders. And I can't help but think about the way Toto Wolff's been talking about how this team has bonded more in the last week or two because they feel like they're up against it. Is that the sense you're getting from Mercedes now? Yeah, absolutely. I think, obviously, what's been interesting about the past couple of weeks is that 
the the race on track has very much spilled off track as mm. well. We saw that in Brazil with what happened with, I mean, Lewis's car failing the rear wing test, but also threats of a protest from Red Bull. And if you look at the things that Christian Horner was saying across the weekend, I think that was clearly, you know, they were jabs at Mercedes. And mm-hmm. Mercedes, one thing, you know, you can say anything you want about the way Lewis always, you know, says we win and we lose together. But there is that real sense of camaraderie at Mercedes. And you can you can see that from everything they've been through. And it just seems that they're hitting this stride at the perfect point. And Red Bull, by comparison, I think Red Bull are really starting to feel the pressure. And they're kind of scrambling a bit. Like a few races ago, it looked like, well, Max could win it mm. in Saudi. I remember writing an article being like, you know, if, if things go this way, he could win it in Saudi. And now it's like, well, Saudi, Lewis could level the championship in Saudi. You know, it's really swung around. So, yeah, it did seem that Mercedes were kind of putting their flag in the ground a bit. And, you know, they they saved that new engine they took for Brazil. <laughs> They've saved that for Saudi as well. So it was a really big statement of, intent, uh, of, of you know, of where they're at. And um, I think that the further on the weekend went, off-track Red Bull's statements and kind of rhetoric ramped up and Mercedes is kind of eased off. And I think that was quite telling of how both those teams felt. Red Bull, I think, felt very under pressure and Mercedes felt very comfortable that this is our weekend. We should come away with 25 points with Lewis and then we'll go to Saudi and we'll see what that race is like. So it is interesting how things are shaping up and it's mad, isn't it? Because if we'd said in Mexico, you know, that Austin, Mexico, well, the start of this triple header even. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, was, it, was yeah. it was literally three weeks ago or two weeks ago <laughs> or whatever. Um, we were like, well, Red Bull... Yeah, how are, how are, how are Mercedes going to get back? And even on even Saturday in Interlagos, when yes. Lewis is twentieth on the grid in the sprint race, you know, I was lucky. I was lucky to be there, and I was on the grid for the first time, um, being back. And, and I remember looking at Lewis's car, and I was like, "There's no way, there's no way he can, you know, he can come away gaining points on Max here." And obviously, he did that. And I think that has just planted something in Red Bull's heads as well, where they're like, "Oh man, like this team is going to fight like tooth and nail to win this championship." And I'm not saying Red Bull didn't expect that, but there was definitely a sense in Brazil uh, that I felt talking to them that they were like, this is our moment. This is an open goal. And Mercedes was like, no, we're taking this from you. And yeah, Qatar, I think, was the continuation of that. And them saying, okay, we're, we've, got a, we've got a quicker car here. We're going to bring ourselves right back into the fight. And the pressure's, I think the pressure's all on Red Bull at this point because they've been kind of commanding all season, especially Max. Um, yeah, and it feels like maybe it's slipping away from them a little bit. Yeah, let's talk about that now because it is... It's it's been such a pull over the last couple of rounds, really, and deliberately so. I mean, Christian Horner's been going out of his way. He's looking for microphones at this point to tell people that Mercedes are, well, he won't use the cheating word, but he'll use every other word except for it. They've said, for example, after Brazil, where that, that speed advantage seemed to be so key, as you said, that they were prepared to protest. And there was this... I, I don't. I hesitate to use the word leak because it's not really what it is, is it? They're just sending this image of the wing to people. It's not really leaking if it's their own photo. But they sent that around and said, "Well, look at this. This is evidence of of something going on." And Christian Horner still was sort of saying throughout the weekend, "Well, yes, you know, it still seems to be there. The wing was, by all for all intents and purposes, an identical wing to the one in Brazil. If you look at the photos of them." But there's still no protest, obviously, because we would have heard about it, although the stewards may not have come to a decision even by now if there had been one. What is this just projection? Is this looking at Christian Horner for several weeks now, saying he's going to protest but never fronting up? Do we now, after all these weeks, just have to say, well, he's clearly got nothing, but he's trying to either protect his team from the pressure or trying to try and destabilize Mercedes. Is it purely about that? Yeah, I think it is. Um, you said about him looking for a microphone at any opportunity. I think he might not do that at the next race, given, <laughs> yes, given that he ended, he ended the weekend with a slap on the wrist from the FIA. Um, 
but yeah, I, it's really interesting how the the last kind of forty eight hours unfolded because if you look at the Friday press conference that mm. Christian and Toto had where they sat next to each other, I mean, you know, the the emotion in that in that, yeah, it was tense. And you could tell that there were two guys who and and Horner was throwing a lot, yeah, uh, Wolf's way and Wolf Wolf to be fair to him was throwing a fair bit back, and that's where they'd already kind of mentioned it in a few interviews, but this where the first time Horner pointedly said, "How do you explain those score marks on the wing?" And so the you know <clears throat> to boil down the accusation as basically as possible, Red Bull think that Mercedes have a flexible rear wing, one that you know, one that would be illegal under the under the regulations. But you you made the point that the Mercedes rear wing hasn't failed a test this year, and it there were new deflection tests the FIA put on on Saturday after qualifying. A lot of the TV cameras were really you know mm. were showing these tests going on, and were like, look, Mercedes are under there now. They passed those tests, and Toto Wolff said, you know, Horner, Red Bull, they're just chasing ghosts about it. So. That when you're when you're so upfront about saying something's illegal, when the other car keeps coming back and passing tests, and the FIA are saying, "Well, look, we haven't seen anything yet that suggests it," it really starts to look like you are just kind of you know like almost wearing a tinfoil hat. You know, mm-hmm. it, at the start of the weekend, I thought there'd be a protest, and I thought from from what I'd seen and what I'd read, I thought, "Yeah, this this does look like there's some legis- le- some legitimacy here to what maybe is being accused," but. The further the weekend went on, and the FIA clearly, the FIA isn't just like, oh, we'll look at this later. Like this, this is huge because mm-hmm. this, in the context of the championship, you know, this would have far-reaching ramifications into the next, into the last two races anyway. Um, but yeah, the fact that nothing came out of the weekend, the fact that, and by Sunday, you know, Horner had kind of changed his tune a little bit. He wasn't so out there with, yeah, you know, you know, protest this, protest that. Mainly because at that point he was <laughs> he was ranting and raving about marshals going rogue <laughs> on the FIA. Um, but that in itself, I think, was that that penalty for Max came at exactly the same point when it seemed like the accusations that they had or the suspicions they had were kind of falling by the wayside a little bit. And it almost became another way of like, how do we keep this? Because one thing with Horner that I, I think you can see in the way he manages his team and the way that a lot of successful managers have managed their team in the past in, in across different sports is, mm-hmm. is, is this us versus the world mentality. You know, it's... And you can tell that with Red Bull. Every time I've spoken to people this year, since Silverstone especially, they've very much been like, we never get anything from the FAA. Max said it himself on Sunday. He's like, stewards never give us any presents or whatever. Um, And you really get that sense from Red Bull. But I think that the problem with that is, is that if you're so outspoken about something like they have been with the wing, flexing flexing under a load like that, if the FAA then do tests and they say, well, look, we can't see that. We don't think that what you're saying is true. You know, you suddenly have set yourself up for like, well, were they just... Were they just complaining because Mercedes have come back into it? And sadly, at the moment, that's what it seems like has happened. That's not to say that there won't be a protest. I'm not saying categorically there won't be because there, there could there could be. So Jonathan Wheatley pre- presented a huge dossier to the FIA in Brazil. That's what kind of started this talk of a protest off. And there was obviously we haven't. That's one thing they haven't leaked. Mm. They've leaked these pictures <laughs> yeah. of the score marks. But they clearly, this isn't just them saying for the sake of it, like we think the wing. There's clearly evidence that they have compiled that they think is suspicious and it ties in with the fact that the straight line speed has really improved for mercedes but yeah everything that happened over saturday just made you think okay you you, like you need you need you need to find the smoking gun now or you're not going to find it Mm -hmm. and that's i think the problem red bull have right now is they're running out of time and hopefully this doesn't get to the point where we get to abu dhabi and red bull you know there's a result there and abu dhabi uh, and uh, red bull lodges a protest then which they'd be within their rights to do but given how good this championship's been, I think that would be a pretty disastrous thing for F1's image, you know, to 
to have that hanging over the end of the season. So let's see. Uh, hopefully we get some kind of clarity on the situation in, in Saudi. But yeah, it does seem like Red Bull's um, case has thinned significantly over Qatar. Certainly feels like that. Two races to go till the finish of this season. Incredible thing. Next year, we'd already be finished, though, with more yeah, races nuts. because of the World yeah. Cup. So imagine the scheduling for that. But with two races to go, Nate, points are so close. I'm lucky that I can ask everyone this at the end of the last couple of podcasts because it continues to be close. But who's going to win it and why? So my answer to this until this weekend, or this weekend just gone, was Max. I was like, I can't see Max not winning it. You know, he's been so strong, so just so good. And Red Bull looked, you know, pretty pretty ready to win the championship but brazil really made me think man lewis like you know uh, i i know you guys talked about it on your last week's pod but lewis last week i think was one of his best career performances and then for mercedes as a team this is one of their most complete team performances we've seen this season from them for in terms of how lewis's race went and i don't know i just uh, you know momentum isn't something that is so big in in f1 compared to you know sports like you know football or whatever Mercedes right now seem pretty untouchable. They seem, you know, the confidence is high. Their car is clearly in a in a good place for races like these that we've got coming up. And I think Lewis is Lewis is just driving so well. And I think Red Bull's comments have backfired a little bit on Mercedes, and they're fired up. They're like, "This is, you know, we're going to do this." And I think that's a dangerous. You know, they said they'd awoken. Toto Wolff said mm. they've awoken the line in Lewis Hamilton. So I'm going to say Lewis at this point. Um, I. I thought for F1, it would it would be great. I, I still think it would be great if Max beat him this year. We get a new champion. You get a young guy who beat... And, and then Lewis goes into next year still looking for that eighth championship, which would be great. Um, but yeah, just, just right now, gut feeling, I think it's Lewis. I think Lewis wins the next race and then we have some epic title decider in Abu Dhabi. Um, but I can't see past... Lewis at the moment, which is nuts. Because if I'd listened to myself say this two weeks ago, I'd have thought that I'd fallen over and hit my head somewhere. Um, what, what about you? Do you uh, uh, like? Are you are you still very much thinking Verstappen can win it, or have you? Has the last couple of weeks turned you as well? I think the last couple of weeks definitely have. A couple of weeks ago, after Mexico, maybe or after the US, I was sure it was over. Like yeah. you know, you start counting the points. How early can he wrap this one up? Because it just seemed like Red Bull had arrived in this sweet spot, but. There's just something, and I mean, you were in Brazil, so I guess you can kind of verify a bit, but something it just feels like something has changed with Lewis and Mercedes since Brazil. Mm. And, I, and it's not as if they've pretended it's not. Toto's talked about it a lot, that you know it was the adversity of that race and the decisions they felt that had gone against them, and they've turned that into something really galvanizing. And look, Red Bull may be able to do that, right? Like They feel like they've copped some poor decisions this weekend, but it didn't feel like the response there, mm. and granted, they didn't have the car to respond as strongly as Mercedes did in Brazil, but... It just feels like Mercedes, even having won all these titles and all that kind of stuff in a relatively straightforward fashion, certainly the team and to a certain extent Lewis, despite that, they have still learned, and you touched on this earlier in the podcast, learned how to respond and like yeah. do those deep dives in their own performances and that self-criticism that they've learned through all these years feels like it's going to deliver for them maybe one last time, let's say, if this were a film. I'll probably <laughs> just win the next three after this anyway. Whereas I don't know if that is what Red Bull has in them. Like, I know they do. They're a championship-winning team. They're a great team. Even Christian Horn is a multiple title-winning team principal, that kind of stuff. We know Max is great. But maybe that's going to be the difference between them, is that actually, despite us... Being re- sort of being relatively easy to write off all these Mercedes titles is just them having such a good car that they haven't wasted that time and they've learned a lot and now that's going to win them the title. But I think the beautiful thing is, and you said there, look, it would have been great for Max and Red Bull to win 
for the sake of change. But the season has been so good that I almost think now it doesn't really matter if Lewis wins another one. It does not detract at all. We don't need yep. change after a season like this. And I think that's so cool. Yeah, that that's a really good point. And um, I think that that's kind of that, that kind of shows you how well both of them have done. That mm-hmm. I genuinely think whichever of them wins it, I would say deserved. Because at this point, they've both had great races and they've, they've, obviously there's both been incidents between them. Um, on the point you're making about Mercedes, I think that it's, it's somehow, despite the fact that Mercedes have dominated, it's been easy to forget this year that Mercedes have achieved what they've achieved mm. over the last seven, seven or eight years because they've been so good. And I know that they've not always had a team, they've never had a team challenge them like Red Bull has, but part of the reason they've been so good is that they've, they've never settled for mm, yes. where they've been at at any point. They've never said, you know, you know 2017, 2018 when Ferrari came back, and we're kind of we're kind of there. And to be honest, the fact that Mercedes won those championships easier than they might have done, mm-hmm. I think, made it look like oh, Mercedes just had the best car. But you know, Ferrari messed up a lot that season, and Mercedes messed up a lot less. And Lewis did very, very well on both those seasons. And I think that was an example of this team knows how to win a championship. And Red Bull might remember it, but it's a long, it's a memory a long time ago. And a lot of the people there now are probably different from mm. the guys that won then. Verstappen included, he knows how to win championships at a much lower level. But that is big in sport, and especially when you get to this point in the season. I think it's okay to be on the back foot in the middle of a season, but being on the back foot this late into a campaign, whatever whatever sport you're talking about, it's never a good place to be because you know that's when you make mistakes. And I think that we saw that in Qatar, and it's the first time actually. If we talk, if we flip it around the other way and look at Red Bull, it's the first time I've thought to myself, yeah, this team really is starting to doubt itself or is starting to overthink everything mm-hmm. and i'd never seen that from red bull before you know they'd seem very calm there's almost i don't want to say smug because that's the wrong way of putting it but there'd been that air of like they you know superiority they thought we're this is our this is our year and they had every right to think mm-hmm. that this was the first time that veil kind of slipped a bit and for it to happen with two races left it's a really bad time for that to happen so this week off i think is really well timed i think red bull get a chance to go back to the factory get away from the paddock for a bit reassess what their what the hell their strategy is in terms of PR <laughs> going forward with Horner maybe maybe just ban him from talking for a little bit um but yeah the, I think from a when we look at the you know the human emotion involved in this Red Bull at the moment they, they need this week off I think three weeks in the paddock I think I think for them it just boiled over and um yeah they need to go to Saudi and just and almost just you know shut everything down say so we, you know we're not going to talk about anything about Mercedes which Mercedes have been very good at doing until these last two weeks as well just saying, almost the Nico Rosberg approach. Do you remember yeah, that frustrating yeah. year when yeah. the best quote he would, the best quote he would give us is, "There is a race next week, and I will be there <laughs> racing at it." <laughs> and it was so frustrating as a journalist. But to be fair to him, it worked perfectly because mm-hmm. it, it meant at no point was he creating headlines he didn't need to create. At no point was he giving the you know the uh, the media fuel to talk about. And I think Red Bull's done too much of that recently. And if they don't shut that down, they'll definitely not win the championship. So they can still do it, but yeah, I, I'm completely... So I just went off on a big old tangent there, but <laughs> it brings it back to the point of this seems like now, even though they're behind on... Uh, Lewis is behind on the points. Yeah, it seems like... It's not his to lose because he's still behind the championship, but it seems like I would put my money on him over Max at this point, which is bonkers because <laughs> it shouldn't be like that, given given after Mexico where we were. But that's that's what's made this season so good. It's just... It's swung around, so... Let's see. After Saudi, maybe we'll be talking completely differently. But that race, I think, the the, the makeup of the championship is going to be made at that race, and then Abu Dhabi will just be the decider. But however Saudi goes, we'll know if Mercedes or 
Red Bull if it's their title to lose. And I think that's what makes that next race so interesting. It is going to be fascinating. Such an unpredictable season we've had and to think we've had so many rounds and here we are unable to pick a winner. It's almost unheard of. Certainly in the last little while, it's absolutely unheard of. And yeah, I still picked Mercedes and Lewis <laughs> Hamilton. Sorry, guys, but <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. But. Look, you got to go with your gut. Thanks very much to Nate Saunders from ESPN for joining me to preview the championship finale. So who will be crowned the 2021 Formula One World Champion? I'll be back next week to debrief all the action from Saudi Arabia. Until then, you can subscribe to the Strategy Report wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter for our regular pre-race strategy guides. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast. Special thanks to Ben Loke from Bloke Designs for the show artwork, and our theme music is by Simon Hosford. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you next week to wrap up the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix.